bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratty. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. We got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these big signals and messages. He doesn't have a bipartisan bill. Nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Nefogratic, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, January 14, 2014. I'll start this week's podcast with an update on the federal fiscal year 2014 and 2015 budgets, as well as the looming debt ceiling. In our long-commencing tax credit segment, I alert listeners to a 2014 audit from the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration's office, particularly their Office of Inspections and Evaluations. The audit is of the Tax Credit Assistance, or TCAP, program. Then, in our historic tax credit discussion, I have an update on Revenue Procedure 2014-12, the recently released safe harbor guidance for historic tax credit partnerships. I also have state-level news from Alabama and a summary of a recent U.S. tax court decision regarding the allocation of state historic tax credits among partners. And finally, in this week's New Markets section, I share information about a bill that would extend the New Markets Tax Credit Program and provide additional allocation for communities affected by the loss of manufacturing jobs. I'll also discuss the retirement of longtime New Market Tax Credit supporter, Representative Jim Gerlach. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I have an update on the fiscal year 2015 budgets. Many sources are reporting that the administration's spending request for fiscal year 2015 may not be released by its February due date. This delay is at least in part attributed to the partial government shutdown last year. Now, the December budget compromise did set a spending level of $1 trillion and $14 million for the fiscal year. And another continuing resolution may be needed to fund the federal government if Congress does not pass an omnibus spending bill by tomorrow. That's when the current continuing resolution expires. Now, it appears that the details of an actual omnibus bill are likely to be released soon. It might even have been released by the time you hear this podcast. And we are looking for a short-term extension through maybe Saturday of the existing continuing resolution to give both the House and Senate time to review and pass this overall omnibus spending bill for fiscal year 2014. I'll keep you updated on the progress of the fiscal year 2014 budget agreement as well as fiscal year 2015 budget proposals in future podcasts. I'll also send out tweets as breaking news warrants. And don't forget the debt ceiling. The federal government's borrowing authority expires on February 7th, and it's unclear how far past that the federal government can continue to operate based upon the use of extraordinary measures. There's also not been any word yet on discussions regarding an extension of that February 7th debt ceiling date. In local housing tax credit news, I have some information about a scheduled audit of the Tax Credit Assistance Program 
It's an audit by the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, also known as TIGTA. TIGTA's Office of Inspections and Evaluations has released its fiscal year 2014 program plan. The plan includes a list of projects that TIGTA plans to tackle this year. On page 8 of the plan, TIGTA includes an audit of the Tax Credit Assistance Program, or TCAP. Now, as listeners may recall, TCAP was part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. The program provided $2.25 billion to the Home Investment Partnerships Program for a grant program to provide capital to low-income housing tax credit properties. The program provided grants to state housing credit agencies, and the state housing credit agencies then provided funds to low-income housing tax credit properties, either in the form of grants or loans. Properties that received tax credit allocations between October 1, 2006 and September 30, 2009 were eligible for the program. Under the program, a property would receive both grant money and low-income housing tax credits. Investors in the low-income housing tax credits, though, could not receive grant money. Now, TIGTA will examine internal revenue service policies to, and I quote, determine if the IRS has developed and implemented controls to ensure that qualified corporations are not receiving grants and credits for the same properties, close quote. Now, I'm not quite sure what that means, and we're in the process of investigating what exactly TIGTA is likely to be auditing. I also note that TIGTA has not announced a release date for the audit. I'll bring you the results of the audit and more information about what they're auditing as it's made available. In historic tax credit news, I have an update about the safe harbor guidance for historic tax credit transactions that the Internal Revenue Service and Treasury released on December 30th. If you tuned in last week, you know that Revenue Procedure 2014-12 established safe harbor requirements under which the IRS will not challenge partnership allocations of Section 47, Historic Rehabilitation Tax Credits, among partners in a partnership. Well, on January 9th, the IRS issued a revised version of the document. The revised procedure essentially makes two types of changes. One of the changes refers to Internal Revenue Code Section 50D, Imputed Income. The other change addresses questions that had arisen about the determination of fair market value of an investor's interest in a partnership. Regarding the first change, the IRS essentially says, while a partnership's allocations needs to comply with Section 704B, in order to be in compliance with the safe harbor, the allocation of imputed Section 50D income related to pastor leases in and of itself does not necessarily need to follow Section 704B. This addresses an issue that many tax practitioners had, as currently it's unclear as to how such imputed income should be allocated among partners in a partnership. And the IRS essentially said, you don't need to be concerned about that issue. The other change related to the determination of fair market value of a partner's interest in a partnership. The change eliminated the requirement that you had to exclude from that fair market value determination provisions that were negotiated with parties 
that are related to the partnership or to the investor. Prior to this change, tax professionals and others had speculated as how it was possible to determine the fair market value of investors interest in a partnership if you had to ignore any agreement with parties to the partnership. This change removes that exclusion. I've posted a copy of the revised revenue procedure to my notes from the Novogratic blog. I also provided an analysis of the two key changes. I also want to let you know that Novogratic and Company will be hosting a webinar on the Safe Harbor on January 30th. Instructors for the webinar include Novogratz's Tom Bosha, as well as Force Milder from Nixon Peabody and Bill Machen from Holland and Knight. You can register for the webinar at www.novaco.com events. In state-level news, I'd like to share information about Alabama's first award of historic tax credits. The Alabama Historical Commission awarded tax credits to 10 developments. Properties include four in Birmingham, two in Mobile, two in Tuscaloosa, one in Montgomery, and one in Anniston. You may recall Alabama enacted the Alabama Historic Rehabilitation Tax Credit in May. The state historic tax credit provides certified historic structures a 25% credit for qualified rehabilitation expenditures, and it can be paired with its federal counterpart. It also provides a 10% credit for pre-1936 non-historic structures. Though the credit is capped at $20 million per year, and it does sunset in three years' time. Now, in order to receive credits, owners must begin construction within 18 months of receiving their reservation, and they must have incurred at least 20% of estimated cost of rehabilitation provided in the application by that same date. During this first round, the Historic Commission awarded all $20 million in credits. The Alabama Historical Commission expects the tax credits to enhance the state's economy. Private investors plan to spend $87.4 million to return these 14 historic buildings to productive new uses, and this work will generate an estimated 2,300 high-wage jobs. It will also add $70 million in new salary and wage income, which will benefit state and local economies over the next three years. All of this according to the Alabama Historical Commission. To learn more about the Alabama Historic Rehabilitation Tax Credit and its inaugural funding, you can go to www.preserveala.org. Turning to other historic tax credit news, the U.S. Tax Court last week issued a Memorandum of Findings of Fact and Opinion about state historic tax credit transactions in Missouri. Now, the memo was issued as part of Gateway Hotel Partners versus Commission of Internal Revenue Service. The case stemmed from three state historic tax credit transactions for the redevelopment of two former hotels in St. Louis. Now, the transactions were part of a complex financing and redevelopment plan that involved upper and lower tier partnerships. The court was asked to consider three issues. The first issue was whether Gateway Hotel Partners must recognize $18.5 million of income from three transfers of historic preservation tax credits that it made back in 2002. At issue was whether the transfers represented partnership distributions or taxable sales. Now, the court determined that two of the transfers were properly characterized as partnership distributions, and part of a third transaction did produce a taxable sale. 
The second issue was whether Gateway Hotel Partners must include in income the return of a little more than $3 million that it had previously contributed to a fund established in connection with the hotel partnership. The Corp said that the $3 million was not includable in income. And the third issue was whether Gateway Hotel Partners was liable for the accuracy-related penalty for 2002 on the portion of any underpayment on the sale of tax credits. The court found that Gateway Hotel Partners is liable for the penalty on the portion of the third transaction that was recognized as a sale. Now, you can find a copy of the court memo online at the Historic Tax Credit Resource Center. And if you have any questions about the implications of this ruling on your transaction, I encourage you to contact Tom Bosha in our Cleveland, Ohio office. In new market tax credit news, Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio introduced a bill last week that would extend the new market tax credit and provide designated allocations for areas affected by a decline in manufacturing. Now, as you know, the new market tax credit expired, unfortunately, on December 31, 2013. Senator Brown's Senate Bill 1896, known as the Manufacturing Communities Investment Act, would reauthorize the new market tax credit program until 2016. It would also increase the annual allocation from $3.5 billion to $6 billion. That $6 billion would include $1 billion specifically set aside for investments in communities affected by major manufacturing job losses. Now, the legislation was referred to the Senate Finance Committee. And this is a companion bill to H.R. 3735, introduced in December by Representative John Carney from Delaware and Steve Stivers from Ohio. I'll keep you updated on the status of the bill in future podcasts. And while we're on the topic of new market tax credits, I'd like to invite you to join us for our Novogratic New Market Tax Credit Conference at the end of this month. It'll be in San Diego on January 23rd and 24th. You can register now at www.novoco.com events. Next, I have sad news regarding retirement of a key member of Congress. Representative Jim Gerlach announced last week that he'll not seek re-election to a seventh term in the U.S. House of Representatives. The Republican congressman from Pennsylvania's 6th District has been an advocate of the New Market Tax Credit Program since he became a member of Congress in 2002. He's recognized in the New Market Tax Credit community for sponsoring H.R. 2655, the New Markets Tax Credit Extension Act of 2011. The purpose of the bill was to extend the New Market Tax Credit through 2016. And as you know, while the bill was introduced, it was never enacted. Representative Gerlach has spoken at a number of events over the years highlighting the importance of the New Market Tax Credit. As chair of the Manufacturing Tax Reform Working Group, Representative Gerlach led a bipartisan effort to address the ways reform could improve opportunities for job creation and investment in the manufacturing industry. He also supports, I should note, the low-income housing tax credit. I myself would like to take this opportunity to thank Representative Gerlach for supporting the New Market Tax Credit program and the Local Housing Tax Credit, and I wish him well in his next endeavor. If you want to learn more about how Representative Gerlach and others have made the New Market Tax Credit program a success, I invite you to visit the New Market Tax Credit Resource Center. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I do hope to see you in San Diego at our New Market Tax Credit Conference next week. 
I also invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik. I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.